In episode 48, we welcome our second guest of 2022, Mark Saylor, and we look forward to his thoughts on Christian music. We have a sports-themed amen battle. Jeremy is going to get some super recognition. Uh, we're going to do a little truth in tunes trivia, and Mark is going to share some thoughts on Christian music and close us out in Fix Your Eyes. Six in the Mix, a band of brothers talking faith. But we pray to a God uh, who has all power, uh, who is in sovereign control of all events. Fix your eyes, fix your thoughts on Jesus. Family. And my dad, I think, enjoyed that more than, than any of us put together. But every time we'd get around Thanksgiving, he, he would name all of, all of our friends, you know, by name. And uh, it just, it was, that was a great, that was a great time. Sports. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to go with the Brett Favre pass. And I'm going to say that one is probably the most perplexing. Would have taken us to the Super Bowl, right? That was the NFC Championship. That's correct. Yeah. So yeah, just like the the Falcons, Gary Anderson miss. It's just unfortunate. In politics. I was supremely disappointed with the Supreme Court's decision of the healthcare. Join us on our journey. We welcome you to episode 48 of Six in the Mix. As a reminder, please drop comments and suggestions onto our Facebook page, the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, you can watch our videos on YouTube. Uh, again, the videos that are not banned, um, but uh, hopefully, Lord willing, most of them will stay up there. Uh, but again, please share with family and friends uh, that need to be encouraged uh, with a laugh and ultimately uh, encouraged in their journey with Christ. That's what we're trying to do. And if we can help others on the journey, that would be a great joy to us. So going to turn it over to Ryan, uh, kind of introduce our guest. Uh, Ryan uh, met up with Mark uh, a, a few years ago, I would say. And uh, Ryan, why don't you, why don't you uh, intro Mark and tell the folks about him? Absolutely. So I do want to introduce uh, a friend of mine who certainly, uh, I guess we've known each other now for boy, 18 years in some, in some regard. We're, we're not living near each other. Uh, in Kansas City anymore, but Mark Saylor and I met at Redbridge Baptist Church, which is where uh, my wife and I and daughters attended from 2004 all the way to 2013. Uh, Mark Saylor has been faithfully ministering there at that church for over 25 years. He and his uh, wife, Diana, make a killer combination for music ministry, and I mean that in a, in a very uh, God-honoring way. Uh, they've just been so faithful in their ministry. She on the piano, Mark leads uh, worship. And uh, what I appreciate about him is he not only just uh, leads, leads the congregation in song, but he also is helping us think through what we're singing about. And he carries that theme, uh, that, that messaging forward throughout the whole, whole worship time. Uh, besides that, uh, I, Mark has also been a Sunday school teacher of mine uh, there at Redbridge, and he is just um, happy to assist in, in any form of ministry that he can. And uh, I just appreciate him, his wife. He, he, they also have four kids uh, who I believe are also very musical, uh, which you would expect coming from uh, Mark and Deanna. Uh, but he's got a, an undergrad degree in music education. He's got a master's degree. I believe it's in trombone performance. Um, and so he can he can uh, toot more than just a trombone. I believe at my wedding, uh, he was tooting a trumpet, as I recall that day. So, uh, Mark, it's great, great to have you join us tonight. We, we look forward to uh, what you're going to share related to music later. 
Great to be here. And I've uh, seen a, 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 your, your podcast, have uh, really enjoyed them and thought, uh, man, I'd like to be a part of one of those someday. Well, here I am. My dreams come true. Uh, Ryan, uh, next Sunday, uh, Diana and I are going to be uh, honored for 30 years in ministry at Redbridge. Wow. So we'd love it if uh, you and Aaron and the girls would come. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, have you guys uh, heard Aaron sing the most gorgeous alto voice ever? Oh, wow. and I did not I know that. <laughs> that, that, that I divulge a secret I, I shouldn't have. <laughs> uh, no, that, that, that was not a secret. Um, thank you for, thank you for bringing that to our attention. I, I, I want to humbly say I have been working with her for years. I'm glad to see that. Oh um, boy. You're, you're able to see that finally come through. Here's the question, right? <laughs> Here's the question, Ryan. Do you and your wife sing special music in your church at all? Or is that like a no, no? Uh, not currently we don't at, at Redbridge. Um, we did a couple of times. Uh, I, I really try to stay out of it because all joking aside is that I was just doing mu music is not my cup of tea. As far as talent goes, that it definitely belongs in Aaron's camp. Um, uh, but I would try to encourage her to sing more without me, but sometimes she, because I guess she liked me, uh, she would ask me to sing with her. I would bring the level down quite a bit, but um, we could always rely on Aaron to carry us uh, for the most part. So yeah, Mark, thank you for, for bringing that, uh, that out. And a girl, Aaron props to you tonight. <laughs> and when, uh, Ryan would sing, uh, with Aaron, you know, my, my thought would be, man, I love the way that song ended. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. And I was thinking the same thing. I'm glad that's over. <laughs> uh good stuff well yeah great to have you on mark and, and and i'm noticing you've got a you've got uh, some certain colors that you're wearing on your hoodie what is that a is that intentional or is that uh what, what do you have there on your hoodie mark i didn't uh know what the dress code uh was for this but uh this is iowa state oh iowa state a cyclone fan the clones um oh. my uh third son went to Iowa State and graduated there. He's a engineer in Kansas City now. And he ran uh cross country and distance for them. Very cool. Was I was actually based based on where you're from, I was expecting to see a Chiefs logo there. Are you a Kansas City sports fan? I am, but if they're not interested in winning, I'm not interested in watching. <laughs> I like that. I like that philosophy. <laughs> oh, I don't. I don't even want to get started on on uh, that game against the the, the Bengals. How, oh, can, no. <laughs> how can you play like that in the first half and then play like that in the second half? Oh, so. Man. You know that's that's about. a microcosm of what's it like to be a Vikings fan. So a <laughs> little bit. So I've got a, I kind of, I kind of dialed up an a, uh, amen battle that sports theme that, that kind of pits Minnesota versus Kansas city. And I've got, I think about four, 
I think four contests over the years. Uh, we're going to decide which ones are uh, which one is the most epic. Um, Minnesota versus Kansas City, and I've kind of got a mixture. Some are more recent, and some are a little bit older. But uh, we're going to play this Amen battle and uh, see which one you guys think is uh, the most the most epic. Uh, so here we go, episode forty eight, Amen battle. Two on, nobody out, and here comes Jorge Polanco. And a drive to right field, hit to the gap, way back, and gone, a three-run home run. Crushing the ball right now, and that's Byron Buxton. That ball's crushed down the left field line, and I mean crushed. And it hits off the foul pole, and I believe that's going to be a two-run over. And the Twins are up. Seven to three. That got out of here in a hurry. He hit that ball country mile right there. It was just whether it was going to stay fair foul or whether he was going to run on a foul pole <laughs> if it was going to go over. And with that, the 61st season of Twins baseball comes to a close. Corner is short for Duke. Changing the angle of delivery, which is deep for Russell, and it's tucked in. Sporting Kansas City are the first to strike. Kyrie Shelton is the scorer, and it's just the start that Minnesota United could least afford. Trying to find some space for a cross. Unu flicks it on. Robin Lerd. There's Fragapani! Lerd, Fragapane, Reynoso goes over, referee points to the spot. Penalty, Minnesota United. So Minnesota United on their biggest day of the season so far, without a penalty kick success in this campaign. And Emmanuel Reynoso with the responsibility, and the Panenka does the job. And on a chilly day in Minnesota, how ice cold do your nerves have to be to produce a Panenka penalty in your biggest moment of the season? And now it's Gasper. It's been a nervy afternoon, but the Loons are still alive in the playoff chase. Fake more all day. Gonna let it fly. Going for Tyreek Hill. He's got it. Touchdown, Kansas City. Third and goal. Cousins has time. Fires. It's caught for the touchdown. BC Johnson on the receiving end. His second of the year. Third down and four. Cousins near side. Wide open. And for a touchdown, there it goes to Amir Abdullah. Could not be more open. 16 yards on the touchdown, but the extra point is no good. He's been very quiet, and there he is. They'll run here for a big game. Oh, look at this. 
Williams. All the way. Touchdown. Cousins looking. Firing caught for the touchdown. It's Kyle Rudolph for six. Four-man rush. Moore senses going to throw it deep, looking for a hill. He's got it. Oh, Tyreek Hill! How did he grab that one? He won yards. Two things, Kevin. Tyreek Hill finds the football before Trey Waynes does, and then he's more physical. Kick is up, and it is good. Harrison Bucker. Trying to be the hero. Game over. The football experts disagree, tabbing the AFL's Chiefs as 13-point underdogs. I think it's just that, oh, that's the American Football League. Last year when the Jets won, beat Baltimore, that was a fluke. We were the stupid stepchild of professional football, but not ready for primetime players. We resented that. So that was a motivating factor to us, because we didn't know too much about the Minnesota Vikings. And uh, fortunately, they didn't know too much about us. We've got a myriad of formations. We've got formations that you start out in one thing, you're completely different before the ball snap. You'll go through three separate formations in one series. And if you're not watching that every day, it gets extremely confusing. And they've got one week to figure out the tendencies of the Kansas City Chiefs, which is a virtual impossibility. The running backs, if we put things together, we'll kill these guys. Stram added to Minnesota's confusion with a surprise play call that yielded maximum results. Blaster, tell him 65 toss power trap. Get in there for 65 toss power trap. Running play coming to Garrett on a top touchdown. Garrett scores with a ball. Was it there, boys? Was that there, Rats? Nice going, Biggie. Yeah! The mentor. 65 toss power trap. Yeah! Yeah! I told you that maybe the chair. Yes, sir, boys. <laughs> Woo! We're leading now 16 to nothing, and they got to overcome that against our defense. No way. Put your hand over your heart, and you can feel it pound out. What a moment for all of the Kansas City Chiefs. They're beating the best that the NFL has to offer out here today. In the last game ever played between the AFL and NFL, the exclamation point to the Chiefs' dominance was added by Otis Taylor. What we did was, I went on a quick count, and we just happened to get lucky. They had an all-out blitz coming, which they generally didn't. They blitzed very seldom. I hit Otis Taylor with a little hitch pass. That was the only pass I could have gotten rid of.
righty. So maybe you amen some, and maybe you did not amen some. But which one was the most? Uh, which one was the best in your guys' mind? Well, you, you put me in a bad mood for the rest of the night. <laughs> I just saw Don's countenance. Just, I'm just I put soccer in there for you, Don. Like what? <laughs> I that that Super Bowl with Hank Stram. And I, obviously, I, I don't remember it because I don't believe I was alive to 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 take it in. But uh, I loathe hate Hank Stram. Uh, after that Super Bowl, he said it was like taking candy away from a baby. And uh, every time that clown got on to, uh, to 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 do some commentary on during the Vikings games, I had to turn the the mute or the, put the you know turn the turn the volume down. So I didn't have to listen to that clown because I could not stand him. He's such an arrogant little. Yeah. So uh, not a big fan of Hank the ball. Oh my gosh. That guy, he just graded on me. And I, ever since he's eh, it's like, I got candy away from my baby. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's the worst. I, yeah, that one, that one stands out to me. That's, that's by far. And that's exactly, that's immediately every time I think of Kansas city chiefs, that's what I think of. And of course you had to throw it in there. So. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> oh, to pour salt the, on the uh, wound. To pour salt <laughs> on the wound. I'm picking that for my amen battle. I it, that was, you know, when you when it comes to the last of the AFL and the NFL, there, you know, the competition. But that was, you know, that was raw football. You know, you see them slapping each other on the on the, you know, shoulder pads, and it was just, you know, no, no you know, headsets, there was nothing. It was all communication just by ear and by word of mouth and all of those things. You think of what football is today, man, it's come a long way, but, but I, I love watching those raw moments, the field torn up guys with, you know, grass stains and mud. And, you know, they have to battle every element you've got. If you watched in that clip, there was, there were hedges still in the back of the end zone. You know, we're not talking about developed, you know, stadiums that were state of the art. They're running out from under the bleachers where there's some, you know, cobbled together, you know, locker room back there for them. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's classic vintage, vintage, classic football. That's my amen. Sorry, Don. Gotta, gotta pick it. Mark, uh, what, what are some of your thoughts being uh, in Kansas city for so long? Uh, well, by the way, who was the uh, quarterback for the Vikings in that game? Um, let me think about it. Give me a second. Give me a, a second. Super Give me a second. No, go, no Googling. I've uh, never been to a Super Bowl uh, in my lifetime. I got, Everything is disappointment. It wasn't Gary Quazzo. Yeah, it wasn't Gary Quazzo. <laughs> Number 11, though, right? Yeah. Wade Wilson? Wilson? Uh, 11 was Wade Wilson back when I was growing wow, up. Wade Wilson. Yeah. No, it wasn't. It, it, it was, it was uh, Joe Cap. Uh, this was Joe Cap. Joe Cap. Yeah. Oh, and he went on nice. to play with the Patriots after, after that. And then Gary Quazzo came in and then Fran Tarkenton. Wow. Okay. Uh, and I, I was a, a, uh, a big uh, Vikings fan at the time, but yet I loved Every time the Chiefs came on, I loved watching the Chiefs. I thought Arrowhead was just the greatest stadium. And they had uh, uh, this band that would, that would play. They had a, a, a trumpet player in the Chiefs stadium that could really 
uh, scream. And, and you'd always say, do the do, wheat, do, 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 do. <laughs> uh, Just loved it. I had a, uh, uh, in addition to posters of players from the Vikings, I also had uh, posters of like Ed Podolak uh, from the, the Chiefs. And uh, I, I've always been, had an affinity for the Chiefs too. So I thought that was a great game. And by the way, how much did that uh, pass that Otis Taylor caught and the defender whiffed on him? Did that remind you of Stefan Diggs' <laughs> oh. catch? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't think of that comparison. But yeah, that was, I mean, two plays that should have easily been made um, and, and just weren't. Yeah, what a, what a, what a weak tackle. <laughs> oh, boy. Ryan, what, what are some of your thoughts? Well, I was excited to see that first clip you showed, uh, the Twins-Royals last yep. game of the regular season. That was going to be my amen pick as a Twins fan. Yep. And, then, and then I saw at the very end, they still finished one game worse than the Royals. Did you see that yep. on the records they displayed? What was that all? We're, I thought for sure we finished ahead of the Royals last year. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Apparently not. So I'm gonna I'm gonna actually go with the uh, the Vikings Chiefs non Super Bowl clip that you showed, where we lost it. Uh, of course, if that would have been a Vikings kicker at the end, uh, playing for the Chiefs, then we would have yeah. won it. But I'm gonna pick that game because I still won something in that game because I had Tyreek Hill on my fantasy team, and it looks like he had a great game. So I'm gonna go with that one. Well, and uh, did you notice that? Uh... Mahomes what is, was in his civvies. Right. Uh, he was injured. Yes. Oh, yeah. He was, he I was did notice Matt Moore. Yep. Matt Moore. I remember that. And I also noticed the Vikings record that those were better days, clearly, because the Vikings record was six and two, mm -hmm. uh, according to the screen there. So I think yeah. Matt Moore was a, a substitute teacher at, uh, <laughs> you know, the school you taught at. You <laughs> just had some skills. Uh, I, I'd never heard of him before or since. Right. Yeah. No, he, he was, I'd, I'd meet up with him at the gym and dodgeball and he was wiping me out every day. So I, I, I wasn't surprised at all with what he did to the Vikings. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's like Gary Quazzo to me. <laughs> I don't remember. I think it didn't uh, more have a stint in the, in Detroit too. I thought, I thought he had a stint in Detroit for a while along with every other quarterback in the league. Right, so. right. <laughs> Maybe. I, I definitely know he was with the Dolphins. I think he started with the Dolphins for a while. Um, but here, here's an interesting fact, since I was kind of amazed by what Mark shared. I, I don't think I knew that about Mark, that he was a Vikings and a Chiefs fan growing up. But did you guys know that in my family, uh, we have an oldest sibling named Chad. He was the Vikings fan. He would not permit me to cheer for Minnesota team, so I had to cheer for the Miami Dolphins. Shanna, being the random baby of the family, we assigned her the Kansas City Chiefs because we had like really? a little helmet, little plastic helmet. She didn't know anything about football or any of the players, but if you were to ask her when she was five, who's your team? Chiefs? And <laughs> <laughs> all these worlds, they all converge together, huh? Yeah. Well, uh, talking about worlds converging, did you know that um, my niece is, I, I think she's good friends with Shanna. Uh, they met at Bob Jones. Is that right? No, I didn't know that. Uh, Carolyn Mook. Uh, Interesting. 
and uh, they, they know each other pretty well. Caroline is out in uh, San Diego. Her name uh, is uh, Caroline Rohrer now. Oh. So interesting. Tell, tell Shanna, Caroline says hi. Okay, I'll do that. Well, you know, I got to go with the loons because uh, here's the thing. They were the most recent. And uh, if you didn't know, Kansas City was in first place. And we had, you heard at the last part of the clip that we kept our playoff hopes alive uh, in chilly Minnesota during that time. So that's going to be my pick for amen battle because there really wasn't a lot to cheer about in any four of them for Minnesota. You know, I was looking at Minnesota, Kansas City clips. Uh, I was I was going to try to go back and see if we could find uh, Jeremy the uh, – the box score from when he went down and played like Northwest Missouri state. Oh, <laughs> it just say that's a Minnesota Missouri connection. Oh but man. We got, please, please don't show that. You, you don't want you don't want to share some of the highlights with Mark here. Oh, <laughs> I think we just did. <laughs> it, it was, yeah, I think we got, I'm, I'm guessing Pillsbury got paid some money to come down and, and be a, be a, a whip and pole, I think for, for uh, that, I think they were Division Two at the time, Jeremy. Or yeah, they were D two, and I'm, yeah. we walked into the gym, and then they walked out on the floor, their home floor, and it was like over before we even touched a basketball. <laughs> it was bad. I mean, it was fun playing them, but I mean, we had no business being in there uh, at all. Yeah, outside of Target Center, I think that was the nicest arena I've ever played. Oh, yeah. in. from a college oh. one, even even yeah. the one up in Alaska wasn't as nice as that one. But that one down there was great. Do you remember that we they they had like the program? So because it was Division Two, it was televised because of the cable stuff and the media timeouts that we weren't used to. They had to stay in the tunnel. We had to come out at a certain time with the hmm. with the national anthem, and we had all that protocol. I was I was just enamored by all of that. I knew we were way out of our league. So I was just paying attention to all those little details. And I remember the refs, you know, telling us when to, you know, come out when we could, you know, it was just weird. Anyway, it was cool. It was fun. Yeah. Yeah. We I got played them. We played them when I was in Northland for a, a short stint. Uh, we played them and we beat them. Uh, and uh, this, of course, was when we had all those seniors on Northland's team. Was that like uh, Boy Boyke era? Boyke, and, and, yeah. No, 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 no. Well, Boyke was Boyke? there, but he was there. He was a freshman. He was a sophomore, actually. But uh, but then we had but we had beers and and um, uh, the beers, yeah, that's right. The beers brothers, and then uh, uh, Ormiston was on there too. And, okay. And they came. We came in, you know, this little podunk school from up UP Michigan or whatever it was. You know, just we came in and they were not happy. We walked out of there with a seven point win. And I mean, oh, I sat the bench my. and watched it from the bench, but it was amazing. I was like, it oh. was just, everybody was just stunned. I mean, I mean, that team was, yeah, they had, you know, we had like seven seniors that were just lights out. So, but it was, it was, Ooh. it was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. Yeah. They never asked us ever asked Northland to come back. <laughs> Cause they that took was a step of, down and said, yeah. Billy, come on up. <laughs> What other small Bible college can we try? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Right. Oh, what a great. I re- I, I'll never forget. I, I got some, I got some uh, garbage time last 30 seconds or whatever. And I go in for a, in a free throw and I'm, I'm standing between seven, you know, six, 10, six, 12 or yeah. six, seven guys, you know, and I'm just like, you know, a hundred or 200 pounds, you know, dri- dripping wet, you know, it was just, I was like, oh, this is, this is, I should be here. I should be here. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's 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 great stuff yeah good stuff well 
I think yeah, uh, Minneapolis or Minnesota and Kansas City probably similar uh, sporting markets. I think overall, if you look at probably the overall history, I know the Chiefs have been very good recently, but yeah, kind of mid major, and you kind of have your a couple of years where you're you know you're vying for championships, but otherwise you're kind of middle of the pack and uh, stuff like that. So again, similar uh, Midwest sports towns, and uh, re- really fun to to catch some uh, clips from there. Um, guys, I got a I got a I got a proposition for you. Um, did you guys know what's happening in Mar- on March 5th in Dallas, Texas? Do you guys know? I do. Ryan, well, why, don't you, why don't you inform the group? Uh, March 5th in Dallas, Texas, there is going to be an acapella 40th reunion. Uh, they're celebrating 40 years of music in Dallas, Texas. Um, boy, that's coming up in a few weeks. And I, I have just been... Even today, I told Aaron, I didn't know Matt was going to bring this up tonight. I said, I think I'm just going to drive down there. Just take the car, head down there. Um, why not, right? Why not? That's uh, six in the mix on location. Like <laughs> concert Saturday night, you know, super hyped up pod with some of the acapellas on. Would that not, not have, be lit? They didn't ask, you're not going to be down there anyways, to, Matt? No, you're not going to be down there. I did not. No, I did not make. You didn't get an invite. Why? You're not running their audio. (laughs) Hey, Matt. Matt, tell tell Mark your uh, your history with acapella, please. (laughs) And our listeners, they need to know this story. And and some of your and some of your greatest hits. No, we 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 won't get into all that. But acapella was was probably my favorite group growing up, and uh, come to find out, Ryan one of Ryan's as well. And uh, we went to a concert. when we were at Pillsbury, I think out in Marshall, Minnesota, and we went and saw them and we actually found out they had an internship program. And so uh, that really caught my uh, attention and uh, I applied for it. And the year after um, graduated in 2001, I got accepted to be an intern uh, acapella. We basically, we were on the group called Kenosis, which basically got to drive the, the equipment truck and set it up and tear it down. But we got to open for them and travel with them and get to know them and their families. And it was, uh, it was a, a very special four months. Uh, I got to, got to actually tour with those guys, which was just, I mean, the, the four best musicians I've ever been around um, and just got to see them kind of minister in and out. And uh, it was, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty incredible. So I'm not sure I'll get down to Texas, but man, if I could teleport somewhere in 2022, it'd probably be Dallas, Texas on March 5th, man, that would be, that'd be amazing. So I think all four of the guys that are that sang in the group at that time are going to be there. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Barry, Steve, Kevin, and Gary uh, are all, are all going to be singing in that concert. So mm. yeah. which, which one sang at your wedding? Uh, Steve, Steve Maxwell. Steve, yep. Steve Maxwell did, yeah. Yep. Yep. So I'm, I'm thinking about sending Keith Lancaster, the founder of the group, a note on Facebook and just saying, Hey, I, I'd love to be there, but I don't think I can make it. Is it going to be recorded? Will there be a chance for, um, you know, I, I just like to see it. It'd be fun to experience it, but yeah, I was thinking why Dallas? Cause they've done things in Tennessee and, um, Oklahoma, which would be better options. They're more central to the U S so I was, I was kind of curious why they picked Dallas. Yeah. Not sure. I don't know. I don't have that information, but anyway, it's, it's something coming up. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get a clip or two and we'll, we'll throw on the pod in the future. Um, Last thing, as far as kind of just looking at, at recent stuff, Mark, I'd, I'd like to, you know, since you got to spend so much time with Ryan uh, down in Kansas City, I, I'd like to, I, I get two questions I want to pose to you. And maybe some of the guys will feed off of that too. But 
What was your first impression of Ryan? You know, I, I don't, I think we could all agree. Ryan is not your average run of the mill, you know, guy. He's got unique views, uh, unique uh, ability to connect and communicate um, uh, a lot of fun. So what was your first impression of Ryan? And then what's the, what's the zaniest thing you ever heard or saw him do? Uh, Ryan seemed to me to be the perfect balance of being able to be serious when it was time to be serious. And then when it was time to not be serious, man, he was not serious at all. <laughs> and he just uh, the, the perfect mix of that. And when, when he was, you know, uh, he, he preached on occasion at Redbridge and when he was handling uh, the word of God, it was all business. Uh, but uh, what a fun side he had to, and I know his students just loved him because of that. And then uh, being married to Aaron, I thought he really overmarried, uh, you know, just out of his league. Uh, what a what a talented uh, woman Aaron is in so many ways, and uh, just loved them uh, as a couple, loved uh, being able to serve with them at, at Redbridge. And uh, Pastor Borden thinks you're still going to be moving back to Kansas City at some time. <laughs> <laughs> he, he keeps open for that. But uh, uh, I'm, I'm just grateful for the time uh, we had uh, with, with you and Aaron and the girls. What a great time of fellowship it was. Uh, do you remember the day that you were preaching and the power went out? Uh, he was scheduled to preach. Pastor Borden's out of town. Uh, I got Ryan uh, filling the pulpit. And, uh, you know, it, I, I don't know what happened, if it was uh, because of the weather or what. But we, we went down into Fellowship Hall and we had service down there with the emergency lights on, basically. <laughs> and I thought, man, this, this is probably how Paul and Silas were, you know, down <laughs> in the dungeon in the dark, you know, can't see, but, but you, you can sure worship. Uh, Ryan might be a little bit overbalanced on his love for sports. <laughs> maybe. Uh, because... Uh, when couples get married at Redbridge, we, we want to make sure that it's God honoring and uh, not, you know, what the, the world uh, uh, would, would have. And so they give me their list of music that they want. And, you know, I, uh, if there's anything on that list where I say, you know, this song that says, I love you, baby, oh, baby, may not be something that you want, not, not that Ryan had that, but there was one change that I encouraged him to make. Do you remember what that was, Ryan? I do. It was our walk-off song, wasn't it? <laughs> now, these days, you know, we're a little bit looser on that, but uh, Ryan, after Pastor Borden would say, I now present to you Mr. and Mrs. Ryan Pree. He wanted that. Played and 
I, I said, you know, you may want to rethink this. You know, you've had something where it's very serious. You guys are pledging uh, your lives together before God and, and this assembly. And, and then to take all that and the last thing people remember is take me out to the ballgame. And so Ryan relented. And, and uh, do you remember what we replaced it with? You may not remember this. Yeah, I do. I do. It was, I think you you played the trumpet and it was a hallelujah chorus, right? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I thought that that was a good choice. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, uh, it was either your mom or Aaron's mom that came to me afterwards and said, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you that they didn't walk off to take me out to the ball game so that's a, a that's kind of a fun memory that that i have probably both these days i might have gone man i'm glad it's only take me out to the ball game <laughs> <laughs> <you're fun." laughs> you know not yakety sax or something like that oh uh, uh, you know that's that's it's funny because every time and somebody says, you know, asks about Ryan and his wife. It's like they always walk away with the impression, "How did he marry that girl?" Yeah. <laughs> Every time, it's he married up. He married up. That is the theme. Yeah, he outkicked his coverage on that one for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I what can I say? I I, I don't disagree. Um, that that is you're right don it's becoming more and more unanimous the more folks we pull on that question isn't it i remember the first time meeting her yeah when we were you came over <laughs> Je, and my wife and i were like Je, jen was like how did he talk that girl <laughs> well, uh, i i i'll tell you i sang take me out to the ball game and it was it it was all she needed <laughs> Okay, now, was, she, was, uh, was she okay with take me out to the ball game too? Was she with five with that? She would, or did she know that? <laughs> I don't remember, Mark. Do you remember? That uh, you had chosen take me out to the ball yeah, game? Yeah. Was she on no, board with that or was she happy you, you said, nah? I'll let you two <laughs> hash that out. I don't want to get it. Let me do take me out to the ball game. Uh, at, a different way than you may have heard it before. Uh -huh. I do it with a pickup note. Take me out to the ball game. Take me out to the park. Buy me some peanuts. Jack, I don't care if I never get back for its root, root for the home team. If they don't win, it's a shame for it's one, two, three strikes. You're right at the old ball game. <laughs> wow. Fresh <laughs> rendition. <laughs> I have not heard that before. And Pastor Borden, every time, uh, he, he makes me do it all the time. Okay. I, just to impress people, I guess. That was yeah. good. Sad thing is that may be the only time we hear that uh, over the next yeah, couple right. months with those no goofballs can't agree on, on money, you know? Sad. Sad. Well, good stuff. Thanks for sharing with us a little bit uh, on, our, on our, good, uh, our good brother, Ryan. Um, so that's great. Uh, going to turn it over to Don. I think we got some recognition within uh, six in the mix. Yeah, we do. I suppose have to do some recognition. I guess it's time for for some props to be 
given to our fellow podcaster Jeremy Schaefer uh, for uh, selecting not the first time, but the second time in a row, the Super Bowl champion. Now, Jeremy, yeah, if you do you realize if you would have just put a little money down on that Super Bowl prediction? Probably, you know, 100 bucks, you would have walked away with about 1200 bucks. All right. Yeah. So, so knowing this now, I think you're like our little rain man. We've got a little rain man, I think. And so I'm just dying to know now who is your uh, Super Bowl pick for next year, for 2023. I'm ready to pick it. Okay. Are you serious? I okay. Know, I know, I know who it's going to be, but here's the thing. I am not going to, I am not going to let that out of the bag until we, we have that, we have that discussion in the fall before the preseason. I will give you that. I will give you that 100%. And I have to, to confirm this, I have told my wife, my pick, and I've told, I've told her exactly that this conversation was going to be had. So she, I've got some accountability she knows it, so I will not change my mind, but I have it now. I've got the pick now. And I think I think we should put some money on it. I think we need to go and throw some th- throw well, some I'm, dimes out there. But Doge. Doge, <laughs> Doge, Doge, Doge coin worked out so well for me. I am so ready for this to just ride that rocket ship right up. Well, well, here's the thing, Jeremy. The sooner we get we get your pick, the, the better probably the better odds we're going to get here. So you got to give it to us now, so we can so we can make make hay while the sun shines right, yeah. here. Hey, I, I'm not ashamed. I, I, if we want to go right now, we. Yeah, I don't know if you if I, if I want you to tempt me though. That's the problem because I'm willing to put my mortgage now on 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 the uh, on the on the pick that you give us because you're so spot on. I don't know what, what. What if we go three for three? If 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 that happens, I'm guaranteed. I'm like I'm, the Belichick, or I am getting close to the Brady of picks of Super Bowl pre picks. I mean, two in a row is pretty good. I'm hard to do. I'm ready it's hard to, go, to do. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna dangle it a little bit. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna postpone this just a little while longer. But what I might do is I might just give you guys a few hints, some subtle hints and see if you can pick up on it, but I'm ready to go. All right. Well, well I'm done. Not... We are, we are eagerly awaiting with bated breath, you know, what comes off your mm-hmm. lips as it relates to Super Bowl picks in the future. So nice job, Jeremy. Well, well oh, done. All right. Speaking of winners, we're going to try to find uh, find one here. Turn it over to Ryan. Yes. It's that time again. Truth and Tunes Trivia, T-Cubed. We had a uh, rousing rendition a couple weeks ago when our friend Matt got out to a sound lead of one, uh, only to be caught from behind by our guest, Aaron Killian. And uh, along with the theme that we've been talking about music, we're going to keep that theme rolling here with uh, T-Cubed again tonight. So I hope you all are ready. I hope you've done your research. And I hope uh, our friend, brother, Mark Saylor wins. No offense, guys, but uh, I'm kind of cheering for our visitor. It's always good when the guy who sets up the trivia says, boy, I really hope this guy wins. Not that I'll have any influence over that or not, but yeah, it'd be a very fair fight. It's fantastic. Thanks, Ryan. I'm going to wilt under the pressure. (laughs) 
you'll be fine. <laughs> hey, hey, Mark, j- just to be just to be clear, the last the last two guests that we've had on play trivia have have all beaten six in the mix. Yeah. So we, you know, if you if you lose to one of us, that's not saying a whole lot. So we're not, we're not very strong competition, clearly. <laughs> but all the best to you. All right. Here we go. So how this, how this works as a reminder, uh, once you think you know the answer, you say your name and then I will call on you. And then you ask in the form of the question uh, with, with the correct answer. All right. So that's how it's going to go. I've got four questions tonight. Oh my. The first two will be related to truth. Okay. Uh, so related to scripture. Okay. The last two will be related to tunes. All right. All right. So here we go. Are you ready? Ready. Let's explain. Let's go. I hear it. I hear it. Question one. This is the first instrument mentioned in the New Testament. Mark. Mark. Uh, What is flute? That is correct. It is the flute. Well done, Mark. Played by Jubal, the father of all who play the flute. And... The harp, maybe. Is that is that in the genealogy, Mark? That's called out. Yeah, uh, jubil, uh, and and we get the word jubilee, jubilation. Wow, that name. Wow, wow. Well, this this, I, this I, might be quick. <laughs> yeah, this can make it painless, Mark. Make it painless. <laughs> Just bear, bury it deep. Like a band-aid, rip it yeah, that's it. That's right. <laughs> All right. So we've got one for Mark. Excellent. All right. Question question two, Maestro. This chapter in Acts records singing that preceded an earthquake. Matt. Matt. Oh, let me stop that. Oh, so that's an earthquake. I'm thinking Stephen. I'm trying to talk oh, it through here. Hmm. Um, I'm going to say Acts 5. What is Acts 5? Oh, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, but that is incorrect. Mark. Uh, Mark. What is Paul and Silas in the dungeon praising the Lord and the earthquake happened and the cell doors opened and the guard was uh, going to kill himself he drew his sword and they say wait we're still here and he became he got saved as a result that, that is exactly the context but do you know what chapter that is yep uh what is x 37 i don't i'm not sure I'm sorry, that is incorrect, but boy, did you nail half of that chapter. <laughs> You're going to ding me just for a number? Yes. What, what did you ask? Question. What was the question? <laughs> Absolutely. I guess. Okay. There's, there's not much mercy with these guys, Mark. You're, you're going to find that out. That's uh, not one of their uh, high range. No, I'm speaking no. from experience here, but. Yeah, I, I've got no idea. I, I, I've got no idea. Chapter oh, right. okay. Don, Don or chapter Jeremy, five. what do you guys got? Chapter five Don, is where X, X seven. I'm sorry, that is incorrect. I'm oh, going to go with what is X nine, Jeremy. Uh, that is also incorrect. 
So Mark, here's here's the deal. And what it's is funny X1? Mark, what is X2? Mark, what is X2? <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess we did not say one answer per, uh, per question, did we? So that's fair. <laughs> so we, we mentioned Paul and Silas earlier, right? I think Mark mentioned them earlier in the podcast, believe it or not. I'm like, wow, he's right on to my questions, but I did not share any questions with him. So it's actually Acts 16. And so ah. the, the other key, if you grew up in Awana like I did, that was a memory verse, Acts 16, 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And that's what Paul and Silas shared with the jailer. That's, boy, yeah, and another deep track, but yeah, well, well done. That, that's a really okay. good question. Okay. All right. Okay. We are uh, heading on to questions three and four. So uh, Mark, this is where Matt drops off the music to help with his concentration skills. So there'll be no background music to help as you process these, these questions. Okay. So here's, here's question three. This Christian singer had stints with the Gaither vocal band and Whiteheart and Truth. Um, uh, Mark. Don. Oh, it's Don. Uh, who is Steve Green? That is correct. Whoa. That is correct. Steve wow, Green. Don. Yep. I, I remember him in the Gaither vocal, but what were the other two groups that you said, Ryan? White, White Heart and Truth. White Heart. Yep. Wow. <laughs> Mark, You're did a... you have, because you were right on the heels of Don, is that what you were going to say too? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I, I've got a, a connection with Truth. I um, grew up in Kankakee, Illinois. And that's where uh, Olivet Nazarene College mm. is. And there was a couple of trumpet players that, that led the bands there, Dan Oxley and Glenn Hummel. And uh, I played my senior year of high school. I, I played in their uh, jazz arts uh, at Olivet because they needed a, a trombone player. And so then I, after that, I went to Southwest Baptist and we had Truth coming to Southwest Baptist and those two trumpet players were members of truth at that time. I think Steve Green had just left uh, the group at that time. But we had Steve wow. Green at, at Redbridge for a, uh, uh, a benefit for Haiti Home of Hope, which is our, our orphanage there. And a more humble individual you mm. will not come across. Mm. I, I really enjoyed that day. That was uh, that was a blessing. Um, the only downside for me was the when when he came back at night and did the more of a concert thing. Uh, Olivia was a baby and she was crying, so I was I missed half the concert uh, with Olivia because Aaron was a backup background singer for for Steve when he came to town. So that's pretty neat. <clears throat> okay, Don has tied Mark. And uh, so we are down to our last question. So here we go. Oh, man. Wait, so I'm, if Jeremy or I get it, then we go yeah. into tiebreakers. I know. Right. I, I'm oh, really hoping, so I'm, I'm hoping we don't because I had to go off the cuff yeah. last time. I don't know how many more in my back pocket I have for, for these tiebreakers. But I, I'm, already, I'm already looking forward to after this question is asked. I'm just, I can't wait for how this is going to play out. <laughs> here we go uh, uh this is the first name of the songwriter who penned the following lyrics don't look for others to run your race step out in faith and take your place 
Mark. Uh, Mark. Uh, what? Uh, what is? No, what was the question? Was it the <laughs> first name of the composer is Mark? What that, is Mark? That is, that is correct. Good job. Mark's yeah. yeah. <laughs> is it? Is it? Is it a song he wrote? Yeah. It's a song yeah. he wrote. Of course. <laughs> that is so good. I was like, well, I've never heard that song. <laughs> I'm like, well, you should. <laughs> so, so, so here's here's the deal, Mark and Mark. I don't know how often you've been doing uh, this lately, but every year we'd have a missions conference, and Mark would write a song for the missions conference, kind of like a theme. And my favorite song that he ever wrote was called "If Not You, Then Who." And so I thought I'd slip those lyrics into a question, figuring three of you had zero chance. <laughs> nice. Real nice. Congrats, Mark. You're the champ. Wow. Keeps it going. <laughs> Guests like three for three. <laughs> Solid. You didn't uh, like, uh, do they know? Uh, yeah. Yep. <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't remember it's, it. Uh, yeah. No, the, uh, <laughs> I think I wrote that in 1998. Uh, oh. Do they know? Yep, uh, we we've definitely sung it. Now. I just the 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 one that I included tonight that was probably penned during my time. That was 04, 05, 06, maybe. Yeah. But but did you guys catch that? So it went like this. The question was, I give the question. He chimes in with Mark. I say Mark. The answer's Mark. <laughs> That was pretty cool. Loved it. Wait, oh, hold, hold on a sec. Loved it. <laughs> it took him a long time to come up with that sequence. Yeah, this is A's. <laughs> Folks, this is why he doesn't have anything in his back pocket. Right? That's, right. That's right. I'm spent. I might have to take the next week off. Oh boy. I, I just I appreciate Mark's humility though, because as as you recognize those lyrics very well, he just kind of had this wry smile come across his face and he started shaking his head. I mean he he felt ashamed uh for the question. So thank you for your humility, Mark. That's one of the things I'm most proud of. <laughs> if everyone was as humble as me, yeah. this world would be a better place. Oh, fantastic. All righty. Nice job, Mark. Well done. All right. So Jeremy, why don't you, uh, why don't you take it away? All right. <clears throat> well, it's been just a pleasure talking with Mark, uh, as he has been on this podcast today and we've had a lot of enjoyment, uh, with him, especially it was in regards to, uh, his relationship with Ryan and some of the good old days they had in KC. And that's been fun to enjoy, uh, and, and listen to, and really, to learn more about Aaron, his wife, you know, um, is Ryan's wife and, and how amazing she is. She should probably come on this podcast as our next guest and talk a little bit more about how that all happened and uh, what, how Ryan really convinced her to marry him. I, I don't know that that might be for another segment. But anyway, Mark, we're going to ask you to, uh, to, to we're going to throw you a couple questions here. And as we have kind of considered music uh, in our in our conversations as just friends and and as our listeners have have come and and listened to this, 
Uh, music is definitely um, kind of a, a, a important thing when it comes to our, our personal lives and then also really important when it comes to our corporate worship uh, in our churches. And so uh, the three questions, I'm just going to read them to start off with and we'll let you interact and you can tell a little bit about your background and then uh, answer some of these questions and I'll, I'll feed them to you. The, the three that we have tonight would be, uh, number one, why uh, do new worship songs uh, not last as long uh, as some that have been written uh, years and years ago? Uh, why, why is the, the time they are um, kind of sung and played and, and thought of uh, kind of that timetable shrinking? Uh, the second question is the criteria uh, that you use when selecting music for your church and then just for yourself. A third question would be, uh, and one that I'm interested really is how do you balance style versus substance? And as you invite people to to worship with you, whether that's in church or you know in in your home uh, or wherever you are, um, the car, as it were, uh, while making sure that God is is being glorified. And and as we learned last podcast, that God's the hero. He's the hero, and He's the point of everything that we listen to. So I'll turn it over to you. We'll start with the first question: Why do worship songs just not last as long as the ones of old. What, what's happening here? Well, I have a lot to say on all of these topics that uh, I, I think about these things all the time. And especially when I'm mowing the lawn, because it's uh, just me and the lawnmower and the sound of the lawnmower. And uh, I, I can bounce these things around in my head. And I'd be interested to hear your feedback uh, on these thoughts. And uh, I, I don't know if I'm the only one thinking them. Uh, James Dobson once said that he never got more negative uh, feedback than when he would do a, a show on music because everybody has their own opinion on music, a very, very touchy subject. But uh, there's a whole lot more music that's written than we ever hear. I mean, just tons and tons uh, of music. And when it comes to uh, the new stuff, I had, uh, there, there is a uh, Christianity Today article that came out in November of 2021. And it talks about the, the shrinking lifespan of worship music. And uh, to, to read it now, you have to be a uh, Christianity Today subscriber, but they do have enough of it where you can get the gist of it. And it says, for the study, Mike Tapper, a religion professor at Southwestern or Southern Wesleyan University, brought together two data analysts and two worship ministers to look at decades of records from the Christian Copyright Licensing International, also known as CCLI. You might be familiar with that. The licensing organization provides copyright coverage for about 160,000 churches in North America and receives rotating reports on the worship music that is sung in those churches, tracking about 10,000 congregations at a time. Looking at the top songs at those churches from 1988 to 2020, the researchers were able to identify a common life cycle for popular worship music, Tapper told uh, Christianity Today. 
A song typically appears on the charts, rises, peaks, and then fades away as worship teams drop it from their Sunday morning set lists. Set lists, that's kind of a, a cool uh, way of saying the, the order of service. Uh, but the average arc of a worship song's popularity has dramatically shortened from uh, 10 to 12 years to a mere three or four years. The researchers don't know why. And that's kind of what I uh, wanted to talk about. And Ryan, I think I uh, approached you uh, with this song, but this would be something that'd be great for this, uh, for this forum. Um, and all of us can identify songs that can withstand the test of time. And, and let me ask you guys, in your churches, are you still doing all creatures of our God and King. Yeah, we are. <clears throat> okay. Not maybe on a real regular basis, but it's in, it's in our hymn book that we still sing. Yeah, and that's a, another thing. It might be in your hymn book, but is it uh, one that you sing at least once or twice a year? Now, that song was written back in, I don't know, the 1200s. Uh, let me ask you this. Do you uh, still do uh, A Mighty Fortress is Our God? Okay, uh, 1500s. Um, let me ask you this. Do you still do uh, How Great Thou Art? Just, we just yeah. sang that this morning, actually. <laughs> okay. Interesting uh, to ask that. That song, uh, I, I think, was uh, maybe in the... the uh, 50s or 60s uh, written, how are those songs able to cross from generation to generation to generation to generation? And why? Now, I did a little research here. Uh, I went on to Song Select. Now, Song Select is a website where uh, you can uh, register your CCLI license with song select, and then you can download. Uh, you have you have the uh, license to download all the songs that you want without having to uh, pay another royalty on it. Now, let me read you some songs that were popular during the 1990s. It, they may not have been written in the 1990s, but they were. These were the the most popular songs in the 1990s. Uh, the song Majesty. Okay. Uh, do you still do that? Yep. Majesty, worship right. is majesty unto Jesus. Okay. What about I love you, Lord? What yeah. about he has made me glad? Yeah. Uh, what about give thanks? What about as the deer? What about glorify thy name? It's all youth group stuff. Like we'd crank this up <laughs> right in, in right groups right right yeah. and what about now this one is the number one song from the 90s lord i lift your name on high that's it yeah okay uh we bring the sacrifice of praise mm -hmm. all hail king jesus and i will call upon the lord mm -hmm. okay those are the most popular ones from the 90s 
And in some cases, they have made it to 2021 and 2022. Do you think any of those songs we will still be doing 50 years from now or 100 years from now? We're still doing How Great Thou Art. You think, you think 50 or 100 years from now, we will be doing How Great Thou Art? Yes. Some I, churches. I agree. Yes, some churches I agree. for sure. Do you, do you think we will still be doing All Creatures of Our God and King? Do you think we will still be doing Amazing Grace? Yeah. Do you think we will still be doing A Mighty Fortress is Our God? See, these songs will outlive us and outlive our children and outlive our grandchildren. But I love you, Lord, probably won't be. Uh, Lord, I lift your name on high, probably won't be. Now, these are the most, the, the most requested songs from Song Select from 1990s. Um, okay, let's go to the 2000s. Uh, shout to the Lord. Uh, Lord, uh, Lord, I lift your name on high, made it into the 2000s is a, a top song. Open the eyes of my heart. Yep. Uh, uh, here I am to worship. Uh, come, now is the time to worship. Uh, how great is our God? Uh, uh, wildly popular by um, Chris Tomlin. Chris Tomlin. Mm -hmm. Blessed be your name. I'm not really familiar with that one. Uh, there's another one called Forever, and you are my all in all. Do you think those will have the staying power of a, how great thou art or an amazing grace? Let's go to the 2010s. Uh, how great is our God? Uh, here's a new one, 10,000 Reasons. Yeah. Uh, mighty to Save. Blessed be your name. Uh, there's one called Our God. I'm not familiar with that. Uh, here's one that uh, it was kind of a, a flash in the pan revelation song. Um, amazing Grace, My Chains Are Gone. And uh, in Christ alone, here I am to worship. And one called This is Amazing Grace. Those are the most popular from the 2010s. Do you think any of those songs will have the staying power of a uh, uh, How Great Thou Art or uh, a, uh, a Mighty Fortress is Our God? maybe in, in christ alone maybe yeah that, maybe there and then i was going to go back one of the ones you mentioned from the 90s if people will want to echo i will call upon the lord as a good echo song <laughs> it, it's true it's a good echo song raise your hand if you think it's a good echo song <laughs> <laughs> uh it, in any of the songs that i have uh, named so far, I think my personal opinion is in Christ alone is gonna have the same power of 
those classic hymns. That is a classic, and, and I think that made, I think that was written in 1998. Um, I could go on to the 2020s, but I, I think I've tried to make a point. Ryan, when uh, you were at Redbridge, the, the contemporary songs that were being written, it, the 1990s and early 2000s uh, as a uh, music minister were a walk in the desert for me. I did, I, I go through this list and uh, we did Lord I Lift Your Name on High and we put, we put in some of these as, as the deer. And it, I thought, yeah, uh, let me, uh, you know the, the, the words to Lord I Lift Your Name on High. Lord I Lift Your Name on High. Lord I Love to Sing Your Praises. I'm so glad you're in my life. I'm so glad you came to save us. There's nothing wrong with those lyrics. But do you guys think you could, given a couple hours, could come up with those? I could not. <laughs> well, that's you. <laughs> uh, but um, I don't know. I, I think uh, with, with a little bit of effort, it, it wouldn't take much. Uh, you came from heaven to earth to show the way. Nothing wrong with that. From the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. Nothing wrong with that, but it seems to me like he was looking for something to rhyme with. Yeah. You came from heaven to earth to show the way. What can I get to rhyme with way? Ray, bay, may, pay. Pay rhymes. How can I fit that in there? Well, it's kind of play with the phrasing to see if we can make that fit. Okay, there we go. And the point I'm trying to make is that one thing that is going to make a song stand the test of time and go from generation to generation to generation uh, it has to have some deep theological truths that are not trite, that are not vapid, that avoid contemporary cultural idioms, uh, that are not directed to a particular age group or cultural group, cultural group, and they have to be singable. And now, I also saw some of the most popular songs, not uh, worship songs, but concert songs like you would have, I don't know, with uh, the Newsboys or, you know, whatever. Uh, a lot of those concert type songs do not translate well into worship songs. Uh, there was a song uh, called uh, The Mercy Tree which uh, is a really good song. And there was a, a young woman in our church that did the mercy tree. And I thought, I would just love our congregation to sing that. But I saw the music and I saw how, uh, you know, the, the, uh, 
trying to fit all the words in with the rhythms, I thought, man, this would be difficult for me even to count the, these rhythms. And to get a congregation to sing this, uh, I, I tried it and it failed miserably. And I thought, well, you know, people want something that is not a struggle to sing. That's why Ryan at that concert with Steve Green, he sang a song called In Christ Alone. It was the first time I'd ever heard that. And I thought, who wrote this? Was it, it either has to be Charles Wesley or Isaac Watts. And uh, what do we have with uh, in Christ alone? This, uh, this is the second verse to in Christ alone. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. That seems to me to be in a different category than you came from heaven to earth to show the way from the earth to the cross, my debt to pay. Not that there's anything right. And I, I don't want to have to you know, keep apologizing for it. There's nothing wrong with it. But what we're talking about here is staying power. That's why in Christ alone is going to survive. And it is entirely singable. And so when Steve Green sang that song, I thought, I have to know, where can I get it? Who wrote it? And I've got to get more of that stuff. Well, uh, shortly after that, Ryan Melinda Hudson sang a song called uh, The Power of the Cross. So this is the power of the so cross. And, and I thought, who wrote that? I've got to find <laughs> out who wrote that. And then uh, a little bit later, I came across called uh, Creation Sings the Father's Song. A second Adam walked the earth whose blameless life would break the curse. And I thought, who wrote that? I've got to find out who wrote that. And I'm, I was finding out that Stuart Townend and Keith and Kristen Getty were tired of the songs that were being written. They were tired of how youth groupy the, the songs, the best songs were in that that same style and uh the not that there's anything wrong with these songs but these are not the songs that i want my my children to uh, carry on and teach to their children i want the i want songs that are going to teach rock ribbed faith and uh uh teach about what justification is, teach about what atonement is, teach about the wrath of God to the point where churches that are iffy on theology will say, we don't want that song. That's the kind of song I want. And the, that verse that I just read, if you go out to, uh, there, there's a, a, an acapella group that comes out of uh, 
Brigham Young University. I don't know if you've ever heard, Brigham Young University has it going on with acapella music. They are fantastic. But when they sing in Christ alone, that verse is not there. They don't want to sing about uh, the wrath of God being satisfied for every sin on him was laid here in the death of Christ I live. Uh, so if the, if the question is why songs are not standing the test of time, there's a couple of things. One is there's just nothing to them. And they, they float away. It's so easy for them to float away because another puffy song will uh, come right in after it. And uh, another thing is uh, uh, you don't have to fight to find good music anymore. It used to be that you had to go to a music store. Uh, we had Warrington Jones here in Kansas City. As a matter of fact, they were right across the street almost from, uh, uh, from Redbridge. And you had to go in and pour over octavos and sheet music. And uh, you had to go through 25 just to find one gem. And uh, nowadays, you get online. That's the way music is purchased. And uh, you can go through a lot of music. And for a song to stand out, uh, it has to be really, really good. I, I won't do a song that I don't like. And if it's vapid, I won't, I won't choose it. If, it. if it's not singable, I won't choose it. And that's one of the things uh, about a lot of uh, the contemporary music, uh, especially, we mentioned his name and already at uh, Tomlin. The, the, yeah, Chris Tomlin. His arrangements, you have to sing up and you know an, an F and a G and an A and I'm going. Why would you do this to people? And so it it, it has to be singable. And uh, another thing that it said in that article was a song typically appears on the charts. It rises, it peaks, and then fades away as worship teams drop it from their Sunday morning set lists. I have to tell you, when it comes to what is on uh, those charts, I do not care. <laughs> as a matter of fact, I, I really don't listen to uh, Christian music stations. I, we have a wonderful uh, Christian music Station uh, Christian station bot radio here that that uh, has uh, MacArthur uh, it has uh, Adrian Rogers uh, it has uh, Tony has has a lot of good Christian Erwin uh, Lutzer um, uh, just just tons of uh, uh, good teachers and so that's what I listen to but when it comes to the Christian music, I don't find anything really that's that's worth listening to. So when I find a song, I glom onto it and I put it in as an opener 
And uh, there's a song that uh, came out recently called uh, uh, Almost Home. And that is an echo song uh, there, Ryan, you uh, look it up. And we've been doing it as an opener and a closer in our services for the past uh, four weeks. And so uh, that's the way I introduce a song, get people uh, used to singing it and then uh, leave it out for a few weeks and then bring it back and then put it in the, the regular rotation. I don't care. I don't care when a song was written. I just care if it's good. And during that time uh, that you were here, Ryan, a lot of people would uh, accuse me of doing songs. Well, all we do are songs out of the hymnal. Well, give me a good song uh, that's written recently and, and we'll take a look at it. Mark, Mark, you, you sound like you've answered a couple of the questions here with that. I mean, and, and I agree. I think, I think songs written today almost are written uh, more for a market of people as opposed to the truth that is the longest lasting piece that really authors and an artist, if you will, uh, should, be, should be targeting. And I almost wonder if part of, part of Christian music or just music in general is is looked at in that in that direction where I, I need to put out an album so I got to put out these songs and so I need to have oh, yeah. what, twelve on my on my you know on my list here so I'm going to make a couple and and some are good some are singable and then others are like that just sounded like the last one and and you know but when when you're talking and and we heard this from Aaron too and I think all of us would echo this and and guys you can jump in that for me, the ones that I emotionally, spiritually, and theologically connect with are ones that are truths right out of scripture. And, and however the tune goes or whatever goes with it, it just, it, it, the, the truth of that is overwhelming and really is an emotional experience. It's, it's a, uh, an unbelievable um, moment when you're singing that, especially corporately in a church and, and, you, you, Mark, you mentioned that, you know, those are the longevity songs that kind of come in here. And you also talked about the fact that, you know, selecting music for your church, they've got to have that singability. They've got to be truth. They've got to have some type of, of meat to it. It can't be fluff. And I, I appreciate that too. Let's go to that third one, balance versus substance uh, or style versus substance, the balance between those things. And, and kind of, you mentioned a little bit there, but when, when you are bringing people to worship an almighty, holy God, you know, what is it in your mind that, that has to be central, number one, in singing songs as a church, corporately together? What is that? What is that piece? Now, by style, uh, what do you mean by style? Are you talking about instrumentation? Are well, you talking yeah, about... The... Yeah, just just the, the whole production, if you will, of... of how to sing that song. Yeah, because and maybe and maybe Ryan can, can because I think this was kind of his his question. So Ryan, elaborate. Yeah. So I, I think I, I think style goes to that point of uh what what does the praise group team at the front look like? What does their sound like? Because Mark, I'm I'm sure you dealt with this over the years at Redbridge. Um, but I, I've got friends I know who will not attend a more traditional style service. It's not hip or contemporary enough for them so how do you balance out hey this is um this is going to be pleasing to the lord come worship with me or are these folks just feeding off of something else related to music 
Um, I hope the, I'm going to make a lot of comments here and I, I hope uh, that, that uh, there's, they're understandable by the, the time I get done. We have had people that have come to Redbridge from other churches that say the reason that they left that church was because they couldn't take the volume of the, the music. They would stay out in the foyer until the music was over and then come in for the, uh, they would come in for the, uh, the preaching. That's terrible. And I would drive by churches and I would see uh, contemporary service at 11.30, traditional service at 7.30. The traditional service is always, you know, real early in the morning. Uh, that's not what church worship is supposed to be. It's supposed to bring people together. And uh, it, I don't, I really don't know what they're teaching in colleges now when it comes to church music. We, we used to have church, uh, uh, a church music degree, and the musicians would come in and they would take voice, they would have to pass piano proficiency, they would take um, uh, music history, and they, they were musicians. From what I understand now, is that uh, it's becoming worship arts. And I don't really know what that is, but I, what I think it is, is how to uh, put ambiance together. The, what type of lighting are you gonna have? You have that blue lighting on the back. And I look terrible in skinny jeans. Uh, I. <laughs> Uh, but it seems that that's what what they're looking for. And uh, you know what I'm saying? And uh, before a Sunday evening service, um, you remember Anita Youngblood, Ryan? She is still playing. We have four organists at church that are all really good. And they're, they're all playing the Rogers organ and Anita is still uh, our organ player. Well, before a Sunday evening service, Anita was playing the the um, uh, prelude, and there was a, a young man who's probably college age that uh, asked me why we don't do any new music. New music, I said. We do new do new music. Uh, we do in Christ alone. We do. Um, uh, we, we do creation sings a father's song. We do, if not you, then who, as a matter of fact, we do music that was finished the night before the service. What he did not, he, he didn't mean, why don't we do new music? What he wanted was a particular, uh, ambiance or he wanted the contemporary ethos now, when it, when it comes to what the, the product that the colleges are putting out with the, the uh, worship arts, if these guys, a lot of them 
if they had to, uh, if they had a clarinet player and they had to uh, write a clarinet part off of a piano part, I'm not sure how many would know how to do it. And if they had to take over a children's choir, I'm not sure how many would know how to do it. And another thing, we had a, a young man uh, from Redbridge go uh, to get a worship arts degree. And so he was learning stuff there and he would come back and he would want to implement some of his stuff. And I thought, well, okay, you're, you're learning. Uh, you, you need the opportunity to uh, apply what you're learning. So he... Uh, he had his guitar and he, he got a bass player and he had a, a, a drummer that, that we had uh, in church. And so they set up and they were going to do uh, the worship service. So I come in in the morning and I hear them going through uh, their, their set. So they were going to transition from one song into uh, Amazing Grace. And so they were playing a song that was in 4-4 four, four time. They went into Amazing Grace, which is in 3-4 time, but the drummer was still playing in 4-4 four, four time with Amazing Grace. That doesn't fit. So I stopped him and I said, hey, uh, when we go into Amazing Grace, uh, you need to play a 3-B. You can't stay in 4. Okay. So they start again and they make the transition into Amazing Grace, and it's still boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick. And I got, wait a minute, you have to go into a three beat, boom, chick, chick, boom, chick, chick. And he could not play a three beat. And I said, when we go into Amazing Grace, don't play. They were going to play, lead the congregation in worship with uh, an amazing grace being sung with a four beat in the background. Now that may not bother some people, but it would sure bother me. And I think we can do better. <laughs> and a lot of this comes from, we're going to lose the kids. We're going to lose the kids. Well, it comes to find out we're losing the kids anyway, because of what's being taught from the pulpit. And so I don't know if I answered your question. I, I, I've got some notes here um, to the answer to the question. Disparate people with disparate backgrounds with disparate tastes need to be brought together. We need to get rid of the, the, the church music wars because there is music that I like that I would not put in to the worship service. I'm a brass player. I love high note screeching trumpet, but our, our people would not understand it. And I, I'm not, it, it would not bring us together. Uh, and we've got a, a couple of young guys that uh, uh, I hear, you know, on their uh, cell phones, some uh, hair music, you know, uh, uh, and, and it just sounds angry. Well, that's that's not going to bring people together. These songs that that I choose, I want people to be able to sing together. And aren't we supposed to consider others better than ourselves? 
I can sacrifice some of my wants and needs and desires so that I can worship with you. Uh, I want my kids to, to worship next to Sharon Swafford, Ryan. I want them to worship uh, next to a prayer warrior uh, uh, like we have with our, our older generation. Plus, I want the older generation to worship next to the uh, energy that the younger people bring. If you go to Titus and you look at who uh, is being addressed, it is apparent that there is supposed to be the older men there and the older women and the younger men and the younger women all together, not separate. Now, uh, the, um, you, you talk about these, these people that need that ambiance. Well, you know what about, how long has the, uh, and, and you in your minds know what I'm talking about with the, the contemporary worship set. How long has that been around? Been around a while, if you think about it. It's starting to get a little long in the tooth. And what, what is gonna come next? And are we going to have to take that and put it, uh, and, and and follow that? Are we going to have to chase that? Um, we need to make the main thing the main thing. Uh, and, and another thing, uh, I asked this uh, young guy who, who who wanted a more contemporary ambiance. I said, uh, "Look at Mrs. Youngblood up there." God gave us a Mrs. Youngblood and we have an organ. What do we do with her? What would you like me to tell Mrs. Youngblood? And all he wanted was, well, we need, you know, the, uh, the, the contemporary set. Now, you know, I have been it, accused. It's, it's, it is hard to find those. It is really hard to find some of those balances. And I think, I think those the kind of things you're, you're talking about, and, and sometimes it's just kind of educating some of the younger younger kids and, and on what and where we have been. Something that I, I appreciate, um, our pastor who has said this more than once, that when it comes to music or when it comes to theology or something else, if there is a fence there, if there is something that has been there for a while and we just rip it out, we don't replace it, we don't know why it was there, we don't you know, think about those things, then... Um, it often leads to very a very confused mess. And sometimes I think that happens with music too, that we just pull the plug, we can't sing from the hymnal anymore or whatever the case may be. Well, I think we need to be careful because there are truths that are in those those songs. And like you've mentioned, they have been they have been generation upon generation upon generation of singing truth. And I think that's very important, especially to to teach our kids and to have them sing those songs. And I, I, I hear your passion on that. And I think it's, I think it's very good. Um, our time is running a little bit short. So let's, let's uh, transition, I think, into um, your, uh, your, your uh, fix your eyes moment. And I think that's what we have left, right, Matt? I, I think that's what our last segment is. So Mark, why don't you, why don't you kind of close up and summarize some of these things and, and lay out uh, just in a short minute here or two, um, what's on your heart as far as that. And we'll end this segment on fix your eyes. Uh, just to uh, kind of wrap up uh, the previous segment, I think we are in a golden age of hymn writing right now. 
I really do, because uh, people have, have recognized, you know, we've been shortchanging our, uh, our children, we've been shortchanging ourselves, and we've been shortchanging God on that, on what we, uh, he, he wants us to be uh, approaching him with, and uh, teaching ourselves through that. And I think they, uh, it appears to me that they have started writing songs again with their Bibles open and with a magnifying glass and with a microscope. Uh, you know, I, we, we did Creation Sings the Father's Song uh, a couple of years ago, and we had a visitor that we uh, took to lunch. And he said, uh, in that song, Creation Sings the Father's Song, what did it mean a second Adam walked the earth? And I thought, here is a teachable moment. And if, if you are, are singing, come thou fount of every blessing, it's good for our kids to know what an Ebenezer is. Right. Let's not just uh, abandon it. Let's not change the words. Let's teach our kids. Isn't that what we're supposed to be doing? Um, and we need to understand that we worship a holy God. We have no idea of his holiness. We have an idea of uh, how we want to be uh, accepted by God and, and by his grace and, and the uh, death and resurrection of Jesus, we can come before him. But let's not lose the sense of awe that he deserves. Um, if you get asked, what do you want for Christmas? And you make a list and you say, I want a new golf club and I want a new circular saw, or maybe I want to be left alone is what you want for, for Christmas. And somebody uh, gives you that present and it's not what you asked for. Uh, and they say, you, you, you've gotten these presents before. I know what you asked for, but I gave you this because I knew you'd like it better. Have you ever gotten, gotten one of those? I, uh, I have. Or even worse, uh, I would have gotten you what you wanted, but I wanted to buy something for myself and I needed to get you something a little less expensive so I could please myself with it. Uh, that's often how uh, worship is presented. When it comes to worship, how we approach God matters. Giving God what he does not want or in a way that he does not want is serious business. And there are examples of that in Genesis 4. Uh, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and their, of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at your door, and its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Now, we don't know exactly why his sacrifice was rejected, but he did, and he knew that he was not doing well, and he ignored God's requirement for his sacrifice, and he paid the price for that. Leviticus 10. Uh, then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it, put incense on it, and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. And Moses said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, 
by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all people, I must be glorified. Now, we don't know exactly what it was about the fire that caused it to be rejected, but those boys did. And they willingly and knowingly besmirched God's character with their offering. Ananias and Sapphira in Acts chapter 5, but a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira and his wife sold the possession and kept back part of it. And you know the story. They held back some for themselves. They wanted to give to God, and they wanted to be part of those who, hey, let's all celebrate the victory that we have from these, and they, they want to be clapped on the back for it, but it was pride that got them. And when it comes to worship, God is serious about holiness and worship. You're familiar with the passage in John chap chapter 4, the woman at the well. And God tells that woman how God is to be worshipped. What is it? Spirit and truth. And we all make an effort to do that. We want to worship in spirit and in truth. But there's something else that we neglect. Psalm 29, verse 2. And in a few other places in Scripture, give, uh, give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. So I would like to add, worship God in spirit and in truth and in the beauty of holiness. There's no room for pride uh, in self in our worship. Isaac Watts in the song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. How's your pride doing? Uh, we like to prop it up. We, 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 we like to feed it. But when it comes to worship, God, teach me how to worship you in the beauty of holiness. When we open our mouths to worship, is there anything about it that is self-directed? Worship God in the beauty of holiness. Yeah. Certainly appreciate uh, appreciate your your fix your eyes uh, focus on that. And Mark, thank you for uh, spending time with us uh, tonight and sharing a uh, little bit of stories about Ryan, but also really uh, we really got to see your heart for uh, God first and foremost, and then using music as a vehicle to bring God's people in um, to 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 see His truth and His holiness and His uh, His His Spirit and who He is. So we just want to thank you for that. Well, that, yeah, it's great. So that is a wrap on episode 48 on this, the 20th day of February, year of our Lord, 2022. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at 6inthemixpod. Join us on our journey.